Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Well, friends, it's been uh, great to be with you. If you've seen that video now four times, I do apologise. If you'd like to talk to me at all uh, before I leave, uh, I'd be happy to do so. Uh, you could also follow up with um, Richard or Graham, who'd be very happy to um, talk to you about how you might be able to explore the possibility of coming and working in Bathurst. I do have a little brochure here, just a two-page A4 uh, on uh, ordination in the Bathurst Diocese, if you'd like to follow up and take one of those, um, just uh, even just out of your interest or for your prayers, then I'd be glad to give you one afterwards. But it's been a great blessing to be here because I normally preach to people who are are all over 70, often all over 80. So just to know that there's still young people in the church uh, and uh, training for ministry has been a tremendous blessing to me. So um, thank you for that. Some of you will be aware that the Centre for Public Christianity commissioned some research prior to Easter uh, about the nature of Australians and their beliefs. And the article that uh, CPX wrote was actually quite positive Uh, in reflecting on what Christians believed. Um, But Sky News picked up the article that was written by the ABC and actually got all sort of upset about it, not having read the article itself. And they uh, automatically assumed that it was anti-Christian and being published at Easter. So Sky News went to town rubbishing the ABC, but they hadn't read the article because the article was actually quite well disposed towards Christians And the research has actually shown that Australians, many Australians, are actually quite well disposed to matters of Christian faith. Uh, Always ensure you read the article before you offer the critique. Uh, We're here on Mission in Australia Week, Mission to Australia. So what is our context? It's good to know. What is it that Christians believe? And in round figures, if you could just um, advance the slides for me while, we, while I just uh, go through some of the figures for you, that uh, 60% of Australians believe in miracles in some way or another. Uh, 70% believe that we have a soul. Uh, 58% believe that there is a higher power or a God. On, on the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? The most common answer was, I don't know. However... think it's possible and 23.6 are convinced that Jesus rose from the dead. That's getting up towards half people, well, half of Australians well disposed um, to the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead. CPX commented that overall the results suggest that Australians are perhaps surprisingly open to spiritual realities, in particular the soul, uh, meaning, life after death and especially amongst those in younger age brackets. We can sometimes feel in Australian society, and I I think especially in Victoria where there has been arguably a stronger anti-Christian stance over the last few years, that we're getting nowhere, that everyone is against us. And sometimes we ourselves can lose confidence that the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe. What is needed then for Australians to take a further step? If many are already well disposed towards the things of God, even the resurrection, where do we go from here? I'll I'll come back to that in a minute, but let me ask you another question. Why are you here? 
what are you doing? You, you might ask yourselves that on a bad day. <laughs> but why have you committed to studying God's word and many of you committed to ministry in the 21st century? Some of your family and friends might be asking that question too when you told them that you're going to give up whatever it was you're doing to come here. Why is my brother, my son, my nephew, my daughter, my aunt, my cousin, my old mate, my good friend taking this enormous step? Surely the church has had its day. What are you thinking? What is it that has led you to leave a good career path or your former studies to take on this new path? It's not about the money, although generally clergy and staff workers are looked after. It's not about the prestige. Long ago, it's, the days are long gone when clergy are upheld as pillars of society. In fact, tragically, it can be quite the opposite. Although, as I was saying, New South Wales, central New South Wales, out in the bush, clergy can still have a little bit of recognition, but that's not why people go into the job. And it's not about future employment aspects. Um, there's no real career path or corporate ladder to climb before clergy. I told those I ordained at the end of last year that there is only one bishop in our diocese and he still has seven years to go. So what, what is it? Friends, it's because you have the best news imaginable for a world in need. For a world that's lost its way, you know the way. For a world with many questions about what truth is, you know the truth. For a world that's looking for a sense, for a way of making sense of life, you know life. We could go on. For a world that's floundering about in the dark, you have light. For a world in which many places, in, in many ways is hopeless, you have hope. For a world in which many places and in many ways say, says, look, if God just turned up, I'd believe, you know that in the person of Jesus, God did just turn up to reveal himself and show us the depths of his love. Yes, brothers and sisters, you have great news, life-giving, life-changing news for a world in need and for a nation that has at least some positive responses that we saw on the screen earlier uh, to certain survey questions. You have a lot of what it's going to take to help them to come from their vague notions to a position of clarity. You are equipping yourselves with the word of God because it's the word of God, friends, that is going to move Australians from being a little well disposed towards Christian things to repentance and forgiveness. As I finish my time with you this week, here's the verse that I want to explore with you so that you leave here this morning and perhaps even leave at the end of your time in Ridley with it ringing in your ears. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So 1 Timothy 4 and the charge to preach the word. And this morning I want to look with you at what is this? What does it mean? And then I want to ask uh, why it matters and how to do it. So first of all, what, what is it? What is it? What does it mean to preach the word? Well, you will know that the letter from which this passage is taken, is from a leader on his way out to a leader on his way in. Timothy is being mentored, he's being prepared for leadership. And it seems throughout the letter that he's somewhat reticent in some ways to face this new role. He's a little timid. 
If you remember, or if you were here back on Tuesday, we recall that Paul was inviting Timothy to suffer for the cause of the gospel. He was encouraging him to be bold for the gospel, no matter the outcome, and to guard the good deposit. Paul is exhorting Timothy not to be backward in coming forward in his work. So when he says here, preach the word, he's giving him every encouragement to keep the main thing the main thing. And we could argue that for us, it comes down to us as preach the whole Bible, because that is where we find God's life-giving word, this hope for the world. Preach the word, the word which has been God-breathed from him to us in his Bible. Friends, it is as people understand the Bible that they will become clear about those things about which they were asked, about belief in God and resurrection of Jesus. In my address to the Synod of the Diocese of Bathurst, that's the sort of the annual meeting, reps from every parish and organisation come together, I said that we must be, it was just my first opportunity to address the diocese, I said that we must become a church which makes disciples. And then I asked, how are disciples made? And I said that it was through the teaching of the Bible that disciples will become clear and grow and become excited and want to share the news with others so that people have a deep assurance of God's love for them. There's so many people in our diocese because there has not been great teaching who are not clear about the gospel, have no assurance of salvation, have no understanding that our role in the world is to be the light of the world and to draw people to the Lord Jesus. How is it that we will see more people become disciples in Australia? How will we advance the mission to Australia? It is as you preach the word. Not only you, but you. In whatever ministry you end up in, whatever you do post-college, in whatever you do tomorrow, please give of yourself to that task of preaching the word. It might be through Sunday preaching, but it might just be one-on-one. It might be as you're having coffee with somebody. It might be in a small group. It might be in a pastoral visit. It might be when you're just out and about in the community. But preach the word. Help people to read and understand the Bible. For it is as they understand the Bible, as you inspire them and enable them to read it for themselves, that they will be transformed that their confidence in the gospel will grow, that their knowledge and understanding of Jesus' love for them will deepen. The phone rang in the office of Noosa one time, quite early in my time in Noosa. Uh, A couple had lost a wedding ring and they'd bought a new one and asked if I would bless it. Well, my first thought was, I don't bless wedding rings. But my second thought, fortunately, thank you, Lord, was, Mark, what are you thinking? Meet the couple and see where they're at and have a conversation with them. So I readily agreed and met the couple, asked God's blessing probably more on their marriage than their ring, but but struck up a rapport with them. They warmed to me, praise the Lord, and they started coming to church. They did my Jesus Explained course and seemed to love every minute. I well remember Mike's comment when he realised that we were put right with God, not on the basis of what we have done, but on the basis of what Christ has done. And he said quite indignantly, and I'll delete the expletive this morning, but he said, I've been in and out of church all my life. Why didn't anyone tell me this before? Now, someone might have told him before, but he might not have had ears to hear. But chances are he was in and out of church all his life and no one had told him before. Brothers and sisters, preach the word. 
People will love it and you'll find that they're hungry for it. This is what they need. Let me ask though, why does Paul add in season and out of season? Because there'll be times when you feel like doing it and times when you won't. There'll be times when people are keen and interested and times when they're not. There'll be times when people agree with you and get on board with what you're saying and times when they don't. But you have to press on even if it's hard. And what will be the purpose of this preaching? This is fascinating. I love this. In chapter 4, correct, rebuke and encourage, which is precisely the role of Scripture itself in the previous chapter, which is why I started in chapter 3. There we read that all Scripture is from God, it's breathed from God, is useful for teaching, correct, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then what is the role of preaching? They're exactly the same. As you open up and explain God's word, it will be in complete concert with the role of Scripture itself to teach and equip, to rebuke, correct and train through the word. Do it in season and out of season so that people will either grow in their devotion as disciples or might become disciples of Jesus. So if that's what it means, let's look at why it matters. Why will this be important? Well, it's not just a church growth strategy, although the church will grow by this means. It's not just how to fill up your time in case you're, you've graduated and now are asking yourselves what to do. Oh, well, no, I'll teach the Bible. No, no, no. Two reasons the passage itself says that it's important. One given before the exhortation, one comes after the exhortation. It matters because in verse 1, Jesus will one day appear and judge the living and the dead. Now, that's a great thing because all wrongs, all evils will be righted. Justice will be brought. That is our great hope, is it not? But how will you prepare people for that great day? By preaching the word, by grounding them in the glorious news that they can be forgiven and reconciled to God through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as people then turn to him and say, sorry, and submit to them as their king, then when he returns, they will fall before him with great joy and without fault. Jude 24. How brilliant. The other reason it matters comes after the exhortation. And it's because there will become a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They'll just gather around them people who say what they want to hear, verse 3. Well, that time is well and truly now. It's so important then that you ground your people in sound doctrine so that they're not easily led astray or even have an idle curiosity in false doctrine. Brothers and sisters, preach the word so that increasingly Australians are ready to meet Jesus when he comes and so that your own people are not easily led astray by what their itching ears want to hear. So we've looked at what is it, what it is and why it matters. Now let's finish with how to do it. How might a Ridley graduate go about this important task? Whether you become pastors or pastoral carers or youth and children's ministers or even return to secular employment after your studies, you must preach the word in one way or another as the very heart of all you do. But what should your approach be? Well, the passage tells us with great patience and careful instruction so that your approach must never be as a tyrant, never with arrogance, never as it were from on high, 
but by coming alongside people with love and gentleness, slowly but surely, methodically and systematically, lovingly. And when it gets hard, when people no longer want your sound doctrine, when they prefer their own way, well, then the passage tells us, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head when it gets tough. Don't lose the plot. Stay steady. Endure hardship. Don't walk away. Press on. Do the work of an evangelist. Why does he say that? Because passion for the gospel will be easily sucked away by those who want to compromise the truth. So he needs to remind them, keep doing that work. No matter what happens, keep sharing the wonderful news of Jesus' love and his promise of forgiveness. And discharge all the duties of your ministry when the going is hard. Be, stay diligent, don't lose heart, don't neglect your people. Think of the Apostle Paul himself and all that he endured. What is it, three long lists in different places in the New Testament? I don't think you'll have as hard a time as that. But what does he say? I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. That is what you want to be able to say at your end. Not because of your own greatness, but because of God's work in and through you. So preach the word with love, with patience, with endurance. Friends, to be involved in the very work of God and bringing life and hope and love and forgiveness and clarity to people's understanding. What joy is that? To be used by God to make new disciples of Jesus and equip them in the faith. What a privilege we have. So, brothers and sisters, as you consider, as you continue your studies, as you prepare to serve God in whatever capacity, as you think about opportunities to join in mission in Australia right here, I charge you, students and staff together, I charge you to preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Amen.